0: Welcome to Word of Truth, this is Doug Presley, it is uh, 5-8-2022, Happy Mother's Day to those mothers out there, Uh, and we're ready to continue our worship service. Uh, We're going to continue with the thought of the week in prayer.
1: Okay, and here we have our thought of the week, which is taken from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5. And actually i can give a little introduction verse four um that it is god that we are talking about with his great love and his full mercy he made us alive with christ even when we were dead in transgression it is by grace you have been saved when we are made alive we should note that it is with christ our salvation is linked to this special calling where we are in Christ, and Christ is in us. Of course, we can only realize this calling once we walk through the door of salvation. Our union with Christ is very special in this age. This information was hidden from other ages past and will establish our unique way of life in this age. God's calling is related to our birth in time. By this, I mean that God decided the time of our birth. God is the one who creates life, and it is within his sovereignty to decide in which age to bring us forth. Keep in mind, we are not just randomly here at this unique time in history. Quote, for he chose us in him, that is Christ, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Unquote. Taken from Ephesians chapter one verse four, we are not chosen for salvation; we are chosen to be in Christ from eternity past. Chosen means to be selected. If we were chosen, some questions come to mind: chosen out of what? Were we chosen? We were chosen out of a number? That number is the saved of all time. God knows all who will believe in time. It is not. God's choice to make them believe, it is their choice completely. Whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. And that comes from Revelation 22, 17, the second half. And that is the thought of the week. I'd like to order a, um, offer a commentary on that thought of the week because it, it mentions that door of salvation as being so critical in realizing that um, and so the question may be in your mind, how do you get through that door of salvation so that life in Christ can be realized? We believe. And believe what? Well, the one we believe the bad news and the good news, which is the gospel. The bad news is that we are all born condemned, every one of us. No one on earth has any advantage whatsoever over anyone else as far as this condemnation is concerned. The field is level, and yet the harvest is plentiful, and God longs to justify us, working hard relentlessly to persuade us. He has provided a gift that cannot be worked for. He has given us his only son. So we believe by our volition in the Lord, and we will be saved. Whoever believes in him will not perish ever, and it is whoever so we trust him with our soul's salvation. Um, we are, you know, that, that believing is going to be uh, wavering. We are not perfect, and our growth is not going to be uh, consistent. It's going to be wavering as well. But just as we can believe in a moment of time and put our trust in God and be saved, we can also look forward to growth in him, into Christ, and him and us in the same journey. And that is my uh, commentary on the
2: thought of the week. We'll turn it over to Dave for prayer. Uh, thanks, Dwight. Mm-hmm. Does anyone have special prayer requests?
0: Just Evans family at this point. And I know, obviously, your daughter. So,
2: I pray for the Byers family and sentry. Okay.
1: And also, I have a friend. I have a friend who. Uh, lost the daughter uh, months ago to COVID, and um, she's incredibly, she's in a state of grieving right now, and um, um, is, is seeking a path to come back to God, uh, not understanding why her prayers weren't answered. Okay, to start with, if everyone
2: please bow your heads and go through the thought of this prayer. Father, we ask you, Lord, to look over those who are in special need, Father. We ask you, Lord, to look over those who are still dear, Father. Father, we ask of you, Lord, to look over those that are the once, Father, financially, and also, Father, nursingly, Father, that they may know who you are, Father, and they may go in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Father, we ask of you for these blessings that have bestowed upon us, Father, that you will seek their glory, Father, and you will look upon, Father, those who seek the Lord. Father, we ask you, Lord, to bless those in a blessed ministry, Father, as we continue to grow with peace and in our knowledge, of our Lord, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. For it is blessed to be, Father, in His name's name, amen.
0: Amen, and amen again. We thank you, both Dwight and Dave, <clears throat> and... We're ready to continue where we left off last week in uh, John chapter 17. You have notes. John 17 reads, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. There are verses that say so much and with so few words. Our verse is certainly among them. In nine words, we have God's view of what it is to live the Christian way of life. So many are trying to define the way we should live while in this world. And this verse gives us the bottom line. This is not the only verse to consider. There are many others for sure. We, that is Word is Truth, Christian Church, have been a church now for 21 years. And this verse gave us our marching orders from the start. We continue to cherish the thoughts this verse inspires to this day. And I say that, and just to note, we have been a church for 21 years, as of May 13. Uh, So this is our anniversary month. We are grown up as a church at this point. Uh, what we could say is we have adopted other verses, uh, and uh, another verse I can think of besides John seventeen seventeen that we have adopted is First uh, Timothy chapter two. It goes like this, to verse four. And this is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to the full knowledge of the truth so that once all men there's two things that we are in existence to do we want to go out and help God partner with God to help save as many people here as we can while we're here that is one of the main objectives for this church and then two and to come to the full knowledge of the truth. And we've been talking about what is truth uh, quite a lot. Obviously, we're in John seventeen seventeen. 17. So, uh, to come to the full knowledge of truth, well, that is exactly what it says in John sixteen thirteen. 13. It says uh, there's many more things that Christ wanted to tell us, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide us into all truth. Right? It's the same thing. Paul is saying in First Timothy chapter two. So, <clears throat> just keep as we have adopted John seventeen seventeen. We are also, if you didn't already know it from all the times we repeat it, we are now adopting that verse as well. And since I'm uh, saying this, let's just make sure we know exactly which verse that is. It's First Timothy chapter two and it's verse four. Who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So that word knowledge in the Greek is not just like I know. It is what we call, the Greek word is epinosis, which means a full, a deep knowledge of the truth. And we know that that has to do with the plan of God for our lives. So anyway... Just to note, we've been here 21 years, and yeah, we have adopted another verse. So keep that in mind. So we covered quite a bit, and we're going to pick up where we left off, of course, by, by way of some review. Sanctify them is the first point, and we said what that meant, and hope, hopefully we understand what the process of sanctification is, even though it has a twofold meaning positionally and experientially. Positionally, we are already sanctified in Christ. God already sees us as sanctified in Christ. The work that he did on the cross, or Christ did while he was here, he finished the work so that we can be said to be sanctified. In fact, one verse in Ephesians 2 talked about once we're saved, we are raised up and and seated with him in the heavenly realms. I think we dealt with that in the thought of the week a little bit. Uh, so made alive with Christ. It's, you know, that whole part is where we're seated with Christ. There's no growing that we needed to do once we got there. We're already at that position. But then, position—that's positionally—but experientially, we may be babes in the world, and babies uh, have to grow up. And we had a robust discussion on rewards, so we know that there is an expectation that we do grow in grace and in the knowledge. So it's interesting, when you're talking about babies, <clears throat> there is a physical maturation process that has to happen for babies, so that they grow into adolescents and teenagers and then adults and so forth. And you see the changes, you can see the physical changes as each stage as they go through Well, the growth process, uh, spiritual growth uses the the physical growth as a metaphor, but we, you could see, you might be able to see changes as well, but God is the one who is remarking about the changes. Whoa, look, look, they are growing. They are growing. And what, what are we growing in? Not physical stature or now we're, you know, we were, uh, three feet tall. Now we're six feet tall. We're growing in wisdom and knowledge. So that's why those two verses are important that we covered, because those are the verses that uh, deal with us getting into the deeper things of God. We don't just exist on milk, right? We can't only exist on milk especially if you're lactose intolerant, but you need the meat of the word. That's what you need to grow. That's where a strong, you know, food or, or solid food, I should say, is what we need in order to grow up. So the sanctification process is us growing up. That is literally how that works. When we put one foot in front of the other and growing grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So it, it, we we covered that. Hopefully you understand that. There's other ways we can see positionally and experientially. One is righteousness. At the moment we believe in Christ, we are said to receive the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5:21, right? We are we are made righteous when we Christ took our sins Upon believing in him, we are imputed the righteousness of Christ. So we are righteous as he is righteous, as far as God the Father is concerned. But now, that's positionally, that's how God sees us. But what about experientially? Does God have expectations that we grow in righteousness? He does. He does have expectations in that area, that we grow experientially. In other words, even though we are righteous, God expects that we begin to conform our lifestyles according to his righteous standards. So even though positionally we're righteous, that covers our salvation and acceptance with God, all of that. Experientially, he wants us to walk in the ways of righteousness uh, as we grow up in Christ, and that. Will, will be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ if if we do grow up. So we see positionally, positional and experiential sanctification there as well. So um, <clears throat> I think we covered a lot. Hopefully, if there are questions or if there are some some verses that just don't seem to fit according to those things, let's let's talk about it. Um, and then we said sanctify them. Obviously, he's talking about experiential sanctification here because we're already set apart unto God by the truth. Okay, so he's not saying by the work of Christ on our behalf because we are already sanctified. I read you scriptures last week that showed that that is our status. Sanctify them by the truth. And the truth means um, God's reality. And we gave the definitions, and this is where I think we ended, where we were down here at point F. But uh, just read a couple of these points just to remind us of where we were. I'll start at C. My definition, truth is the reality of God as revealed in the word of God. That is the 66 books, "which, which is revealed through successive dispensations. And it's drastically different from man's view of truth. And if we think about the Mosaic law, it wasn't out in the garden and for people who lived before Mount Sinai. God may have given some parts of it here and there, but uh, he didn't give the Mosaic law. And it wasn't a covenant for Israel, even up to that point in time. So when we think about... uh, successive dispensations that's how God does reveal and then that's Mosaic Law came along and then we have the New Testament the revelation to the church all of that now is written for us so we could see God's truth uh, being revealed we even call it the revelation of God Uh, but the truth that we have and we're going to go to point D what is truth And I say, I must give the textual answer, your word is truth. And this is what the text tells us. So we don't go too far from that. We're not going to say truth is something other than what Jesus has said it is here. So the word of God is the focus of truth. We're not going to say we're going to be set apart for God's special purposes by means of the Mosaic law, which is also truth. But it's not the truth for the church. I think we covered some of that. So, point E, we are to be consecrated or set apart, dedicated, set apart unto the Father according to or by the truth as revealed in the Word. And that truth, point F, is defined and limited by Jesus as he established the church and its foundation. And we covered that in John sixteen, twelve through fifteen, where Jesus in the same discourse tells us what truth is. He says he says, uh, the truth here is related to when the spirit comes. He talked about the whole discourse from fourteen all the way through seventeen. the same theme about how when the, can the spiritual dynamics, The conditions that will exist when the Spirit comes, when the Comforter comes, when the Spirit of Truth comes. There were different names given to him. And um, Jesus created an expectation in our hearts, for sure. I don't understand why uh, the Christian world at large does not see Pentecost as the greatest revelation of truth that has ever been seen as we've learned from the Apostle Paul, it was hidden from ages and previous generations. and But now it is revealed. So this truth obviously is not the Old Testament. It is not the Mosaic Law because it has been hidden from them. They didn't know it, just like the people in the, who had the Mosaic Law. Prior to that, there were people who didn't have the Mosaic Law. And they didn't even know what... Uh, the direction of God was going to be through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So God's truth is revealed progressively. And it wasn't called a mystery as such, as ours is. But mystery is only a metaphor to let us know that it was not revealed. It was hid in God. So it's, it's defined by how the Spirit comes and delivers this information. So that's what we're set apart to. That's what our life should be focused on. That's what we are heralds of. We're not to go out and, and preach the Mosaic law to the world. We're to go out and teach the gospel. And then lead, what is the way of life for us? It is that we may come to the full knowledge of this truth of what God has revealed in our age. So we covered that, quite a lot of that. So we're going to go to, I think, point G in our notes. There was already, and we may have covered some of this in the introduction too, but it doesn't hurt to talk about it. There was already the revelation of God in the world through the law and the prophets. But this revelation is not for the church. And I just gave an overview of that thought. 1 Corinthians 2 9 covers this in such great fashion here. I, I just want to quote it. 2 9 says, However, as it is written, um, no, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love Him. These things are these are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. This is interesting because Jesus said, I have much more to tell you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he's going to guide you into all truth. Now here, this all truth that we're talking about, that Jesus says you wouldn't be able to handle it, Paul is saying, it's what eye hasn't seen, what ear hasn't heard, what hasn't entered into the mind of man. And those who love him are obviously those who are mature because we don't develop a dedication and a commitment to the father's plan until we get to the place where we know it and we come to love it, right? That's and even, it even says this earlier where he says, um, um, verse six, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery. In other words, it's been hidden, right? It's been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. So if it's been hidden, it certainly can't be the Mosaic law, right? It's something other than that. It's something else, right? It's not going to be that. It's going to be something other So we should expect that God has something brand new for us. Not only are we brand new, if if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. What we think, the wisdom that we have is brand new. No eye has seen it, no ear, uh, nothing. But our our destiny is also brand new. No one ever saw the destiny. We're heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Remember all that we talked about earlier. So those are three things that are unique about us. We're new. What we think is new. Our destiny is new, never existed before. But it is now. So so that's point G. And then Ephesians three, two, right? This is another verse to talk about the uniqueness of this age. Ephesians three, two. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace. That was given to me for you. This is where people don't believe in dispensations. This is the word, administration is the word, oikoinomia in Greek, which is the word we translate dispensation or administration. It means how God is ruling over his household. So he, he rules over a certain way when the focus is Israel. When the focus is the church, he rules over his household in another way. right? So we're in a different a, dis, a dispensation that Paul the saying was given uh, and, and it's given to us. And what is it? That is, verse 3, the mystery made known to me by revelation. So the mystery is a metaphor that Paul says that re, it relates to a hidden dispensation. It was given to Paul for us. It is related to a mystery uh, made known to me by revelation as I've already written briefly. In reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. So this mystery Information is unique, right? Whatever our way of life is, it is not found in the way of life in the Old Testament because it was hidden, right? The the age was hidden. The time we're living in now was not made known to those. You could read the Old Testament and you could not find what we're going through in the church right now because it wasn't there. There's no scripture that hails back to how we are to live our lives. We, not to say, in principle, we can't use the Old Testament, like God is holy, God is righteous, you know, salvation. All of that's in the Old Testament. But the way of life that we have is unique. It's unique. And verse 9, And to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past, was kept hidden in God, who created all things. He created all things before he, um, before that, he had a plan to create all things. And this plan to have this, the church and all the things that are going on now was kept hidden until he was ready to reveal it. He reveals it at Pentecost, when the Spirit comes. And that's when it began to be revealed. So that's what we mean by successive, gener- you know, progressive, uh, the, the, the mystery, you know, you know, the truth is revealed. You know, God held this truth back, but now we have it. Now we have the full truth. Now it's our objective to walk in that truth and to grow in it and the knowledge of it and so forth. So, that's point G. Point H, let's keep going. We got some more to cover. To note, more more about the Mosaic Law. The Mosaic Law is truth. Now, we're not saying it's not truth. It is truth, because it's the revelation of God. But it is not the hidden truth of which Jesus is praying that we be sanctified. So, So in other words, are we to be sanctified according to the truth of the Mosaic law? No, not at all. That would not be uh, consistent with what Jesus is praying to the Father for about us. We are to be sanctified according to the truth that is going to be revealed by the Holy Spirit and obviously introduced by what Jesus has already told us in this discourse. That's what the discourse is about Jesus says, I'm going away and they get upset about the fact that Jesus is going away. Says, what do you mean you're going to go away? I'll die with you, Peter says. Jesus says, hold on Peter, you, you're not going to die. We need you here on the ground, right <clears throat> You will later, but now we need you on the ground. but so they're all upset about Christ dying but Christ tells them, I'm going to prepare a place for you, don't worry. I'm going to come and, and to get you and to receive you. And that where I am, there you will be also. Don't, don't worry, right? So then he, he branches off and tells them, you know the Father. He's been with me all this time. He's been the one telling me all. This is the plan I'm revealing, etc. Don't you know the Father is in me? right? So all of that, he starts talking about the dynamics of when the Spirit comes. He's going to be with you forever. All of this, he broke down for us to help us understand the reality of this new age we're in and the new truth that is now about us. So uh, it's not the same truth, right? The mosaic of God. And, and I know I love the, the people of God, but a lot of churches are not teaching that um, truth that the Holy Spirit has has taught us in the New Testament. They are teaching what the Old Testament says about how to conduct our lives. But that is not, when we're talking about what we're sanctified, we're set apart for God's special purposes. According to what? The Mosaic Law? No, according to this new truth that Jesus introduced and that we see in the New Testament. That's important that we understand that. So this point, point H, is key, obviously, if you're trying to understand what are we doing here? Why? Why are we okay? We're saved. So why didn't God just take us to heaven now? Why? Why don't we just leave and go to heaven? Because God has a plan for us to, in this world, and what is His plan? Right? Gives us. He gives us time to come to understand that and to uh, exercise our spiritual gifts and to, you know, to to decide whether or not we want to do uh, our, you know, or fulfill his plan for our lives. And I could say it's optional because some people will do it and will be rewarded and some people will not. And the fact that you are all here right now says you've already made your decision. You are saying that you want to know what God's will is. You want to know what his plan is for your life. You, you could be other somewhere else you could be other places and and have another mindset all and be a believer and I'm saying you could have another mindset, but you're saying you want to know what God's plan is for you what does he want you to think what does he want you to do and all of that is important so point i point I is first corinthians two seven it's a verse that I think um, and I kind of already quoted it, so I don't want to make a drum roll about this verse, but it is huge. It really is. This verse is huge. 2 7 says, <clears throat> well, we've got to read 2 6 with it. We do, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. So the wisdom of this age would be Greek philosophy. So in the ancient world where Paul, the first century, where Paul was living, the the Greeks were thought to be very wise. Greek wisdom, it ruled uh, the world. But then there was two things that Paul is thinking of here when he thinks of superior wisdom. He's thinking the Greek culture we call the the spread of Greek culture, Hellenism in the ancient world, and people uh, gravitated to that. Cultures were affected by what we call Hellenism, the spread of this Greek philosophy and culture. And uh, and then there was another wisdom, obviously, where Paul says, uh, and not the rulers of this age. (laughs) The rulers of this age are the Jewish rulers, right? And they were not influenced by Greek culture, maybe a little bit, but but they were certainly influenced by the Mosaic law and the previous revelation of God. So, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age. So he's talking about both categories of wisdom right there. He says, who are coming to nothing. No, and well, just to be sure, Verse 8, none of the rulers of this age understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So you know who he's talking about, the Jewish leadership there, the caretakers of the Mosaic law. But Verse 7 is my verse here. No, it's not those things. We declare God's wisdom a mystery. That which has been hidden. And and that God noticed hidden means none of them, those two bastions of wisdom in the world previously, had any association or understanding or even uh, revelation about this this information that Paul is coining as a mystery that has been hidden. That's the wisdom we have. And that God destined for our glory before time began. I don't know what people do with this verse. (laughs) I don't know. But it really is a verse that probes the mind. And makes you think, what in the world could this be? At least you should. You should think that. You can't just repass this verse and just let it just hang there. And say, well, I just read it and I've read the Bible. No, you, if you don't see what this is saying, if you don't stop and see that this information he's saying was destined for our glory. And then before time began, well, when did time begin? Before creation. Creation marks the beginning of time. So this wisdom existed before time began and it's for us it completely agrees with what jesus is praying to the father about sanctify them by your truth your word is truth it completely agrees with that there's a wisdom in this that was hidden. The P- Old Testament people, nobody knew this information. As we already read, it was hid in God. No angels, no man, nobody knew prior to its revelation at Pentecost. Well, Jesus began to talk about it in this discourse, which is why we're covering it in good detail. So, before time began before the creation of all things can we even talk about what before what what things were happening before the creation of all things how can we even think about talking about that when we have no orientation whatsoever of course scientists are talking about the big bang theory and and all this stuff but they have no clue about what the motivation was And and obviously, for them, there is no such thing as God. It was just a cataclysmic event that just randomly blew up a whole lot of matter and the matter was flung. I can't imagine the universe, what kind of explosion with all the galaxies and solar systems within galaxies. We can't even see there's so many galaxies. Can you imagine what kind of explosion that would have been? what kind of fireworks show would that have looked like but that's not true first of all we know that the universe was created by god's command god spoke the universe into existence and he but so it's a totally different thing when we come to the bible and now what we're learning is not only did god do this but he had a plan in doing it he had a purpose and creating the universe. So that's what we're hoping to get out of these things when we're looking at what God's plan f- for our life is. We're, we're, now, of course, I'm not saying that uh, I'm pushing myself into the purpose of God, but I'm reading what God's purpose is, and it includes us. It just happens to include us. We declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden, it's revealed now, and that God destined for our glory before time began. If that's not a deep verse, I don't know what else. It should probe your mind and thoughts to push you to think about things that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither have they entered into the heart of man. The counsels of God that went into the planning of the creation of all things how could you know it how, who was a flying on the wall to be able to tell us what these well god is telling us these verse 10 these are the things god has revealed to us by his spirit the spirit searches all things even the deep things of god so these words have special meaning for us special so i could i could really spend more time with this as there's passion in my heart for these this understanding because it is the direction that we are to walk in in this age this is it's very specific at least to me it is i would hope it is to you as well let's continue in our notes Uh, point number three says so the whole phrase goes, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So we're going to get into what is it your word is, this phrase. First point is, so the word of God, dispensationally applied, is the truth from which we are to order our lives in Christ. It's the Let's just say that again. The word of God, dispensationally applied, is the truth from which we are to order our lives in Christ. Hopefully we understand that. So some people say, well, we believe in the whole Bible. I said, we do too. Yeah, we certainly do. But we know that the whole Bible is not written for us. It might be written to us. So it's for our learning, but it's not written for us. We're not under the law we're under grace anyway second corinthians 3 let's read this verse 10 and 11 let's see what this adds to what we're talking about second corinthians 3 10 and 11 here it is for what was glorious and he's talking about the mosaic law how do we know he's talking about the mosaic law are we sure Verse 7. Now if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, what, what is that? That's the Mosaic Law. That's the Ten Commandments. Now, it's not just to, to say it's the Ten Commandments, that, that which that you know was engraved in it was representative of the Mosaic Law. Notice, it is the ministry. That is the dispensation. This is where God is helping us to understand what, what he is doing. It brought death. How did the law bring us death? Because it shows people that they are dead. It shows people that they don't measure up to God and his standards. And we need to know that we need saving. It's like the person riding around and the wife says to the husband, Honey, are we lost? And the husband looks over and says, Of course not. I know exactly where we are. <laughs> this this may happen in the reverse, too. So, just so you know. But it is Mother's Day. So, I got to put it in this way today. So, the, the wife says, Honey, are you sure we're not lost? And the husband says, Oh, of course not. Of course I know where I'm going. And so, they ride around a little more. And it looks familiar, like we've been over this area before. Seems she's looking around. And finally, the husband says, yeah, I think we're lost. But you know, at first he needed to know that he was lost before he would pull into a gas station. I don't think people do that nowadays. We got GPS's. But back in the day, we would pull into a gas station and of course we would go out. Where are we? You know, I'm looking for such and such a road. You know, that was how we did it before GPS. So, so. You got to know you're lost before you seek to be saved or seek a solution. Well, the law is what God used to help us understand that we need a Savior, that we're lost, that we're condemned. So, what is it called? He's in verse seven. Is now the ministry that brought death? Right. That's that's what he's saying. It does, but it only does that so we can come to the realization that we need salvation. Or verse 9 if the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious. Now, the ministry, the Mosaic law didn't bring condemnation, but it showed us that we were condemned already. We were condemned in Adam, but it brought that to our attention. It was glorious. It was glorious. How much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? So that's the context of what we're just talking about here in these verses. And it's good to know that. So as we look at our 2 Corinthians 3, 10 and 11. So 10 says, for what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. So yes, there's acknowledgement, but it was glorious because it's the revelation of God. It was truth. But now what God has given us, it says that whatever that was, it has no glory now. When we compare it with what the surpassing glory that we have. And verse 11, if what was transitory or temporary, that was the mosaic law. It was only put in place for a time, right? Came with glory. It did. How much greater is the glory that which of, of that which lasts? So we're talking about something that is permanent, as opposed to something that was trying to get us somewhere, something to, to, to where God had to help people along to understand, and it was related to salvation. It wasn't. So what are we to order our lives to? Just that? We ought to understand salvation as well, but God has a greater purpose for us here, for, for the wisdom that was destined for our glory before time began. Let's keep going. Point B, not only is this word wisdom for us, but it is also what we are to teach. That goes back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This wisdom is not just something that uh, that's out there. <clears throat> so we already saw verse 7. It's wisdom destined for our glory before time began. But verse 13, this is what we speak, Paul says. It's not hidden from us. It's, even though it's wisdom destined for our glory before time began, it's what eye has not seen, ear has not heard. It's the deep things of God. Not only is all that, it is what we teach. Paul says. It's what we speak. Not in words taught us by human wisdom. Well, That would be those two bastions of wisdom. The, the rulers of this age, the Jews, right, the Mosaic law, that's what they had. And then the Greeks, as we talked about. But in words taught us by the Spirit. Explaining spiritual realities with Spirit taught words. So not this is what we ought to be. Involved in learning and and, and grow, growing and and the wisdom, all of that is for us now. It's not well when we get to heaven we'll have all this. No, we have all this now by means of the Spirit. When did the Spirit come? Pentecost. Right, that's when it came. He came, we should say, and all of that is documented for us in the Word. Point C. God revealed Himself through the word of truth, right? So this is Second 2 Timothy 2.15. We need to read, let's just look at it. Second 2 Timothy 2.15. These are verses you probably know, but do you know them in the context we're speaking of them? So verse 15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles Notice the word of truth. So, this is, when we pre- this is sort of like what we've been talking about with the judgment seat of Christ, right? We're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And if we're going to present ourselves as a, a worker, a, a one who is approved, one who works, who is working and not to be ashamed, why would we even be ashamed? Because the world's going to say what we are talking about is foolishness. You know what I'm saying? There's no way you could know those things that we, we know about ourselves, our calling, our, we've been predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son, all the stuff that is about us. When we tell the world that, they're going to say, that's ridiculous. Ridiculous that you think that about yourself. But what are we believing? And people would draw back and say, yeah, that's probably so. But he's saying, don't do that because you don't need to be ashamed. God has testified to this information with signs, wonders, and miracles that the, baffles the world. They can't figure out. That the only thing they can say is what Nicodemus said. That God has to be in it because nobody can do the things that Christ did. That establishes who we are in Christ. So that's how God revealed what his plan was. It is through the word of truth. And we ought to pay attention to it, not to be ashamed of it, but to teach it, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2:13. Point D. We have been given the Spirit of Truth in this age. Now, this is this is really important. These c- couple points coming up here. We have been given the Spirit of Truth in this age, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. So these two verses talk about John 16:13 is, but when He, the Spirit of Truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. And then 1 Corinthians 2.12b, where, where I quote this here, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. So we, we are given this information so that we can understand it. right? So we can learn it and grow thereby. It is not so that we could just say, well, we are something. We are really something. He expects us to dig in. right? So it's like if you... I don't know if you've ever had these Thanksgiving meals. We did when we were young. Uh, you know, you everything under the sun you have at Thanksgiving. You know, not just one vegetable, one starch, one this or that, like normal. But now the smorgasbord is there. And then you pile all this stuff on your plate. And then you sit down. And we always have to pray first. And then after that. After we've given thanks, what do you do? You don't know, just sit there take pictures of it. You dig in. Right? You get to it. Then after that, everybody's knocked out sleeping. Right? But that—that—that's how you got to do it. Deal with this. I mean, you can't just let this thing uh, sit there, and you just be, well, I'm called. I'm chosen." Well, you got to dig into this so we can understand this wisdom that God has for us. Wisdom is knowledge that can be applied to our lives while we're living in this world. Wisdom is the knowledge of who we are, but not only the knowledge, but how we ought to conduct ourselves according to that knowledge. It's important as we think about wisdom and knowledge. So, So dig into it. Allow it to saturate your mind and think about all the things that God has given us and about who we are this wisdom changes our identity we already said it takes us out of adam takes us out of this world so we really need to stop and examine who we are in christ we're a new creation what's new about us all those things have to be hashed out so it's been the spirit of truth in this age is given to us so that we may understand dig in it's for your understanding. And it says he has freely given to us this information. It's available to you. Right? There's no, if you pay a certain amount, you know, you get into these programs and you say, oh, this is great information. They say, oh, if you want the next level, you got to pay X amount of dollars to get to the next level of information. Right? They dole it out based on how much you pay. Uh, most of those things are not good. But I'm just saying, this is not like that. All this is, is freely given to us. All, the only condition is that we grow up. It's to meet the deep things of God, of the Word. And that's what we need to grow. So God has given it to us. Point uh, E. So let's talk about the spirit of truth. Or actually, yeah, point E. So the spirit of truth is at work in us. And his, this is just a quote from Hebrews four, twelve and thirteen. It tells us how the spirit of truth is at work in us, how that works. So let's look at this just a quote. It says, "For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Notice, if you're thinking about a sword, and this is the double-edged sword, the machira that the Romans use. Paul is thinking about it and how it can cut both ways. It has an edge, sharp edge on both sides. And he's he's thinking about that, and he's saying, the word of God is like that. It's sharp, sharper than any double-edged sword. And and he talks about <clears throat> Uh, penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and watch this last part. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Excuse me, hold on. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered. And laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Give account. That's Hebrews 4, 12, and 13. I don't know why I'm losing my voice, but I can tell you that verse says it all as well of how the Holy Spirit takes the words that are on that page and penetrates even between the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. It's got to be a sharp sword for that. It it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. <clears throat> God doesn't just look on the outward man; He can look at the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. He sees everything. He saw everything before. He planned everything before time began. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him who must we must give an account. That's how the holy. That's how pensive or penetrative the Holy Spirit is, not pensive. Point F, we should make some practical practical applications from this classic verse. <clears throat> and here's ten, 10 points we should apply, I would say. First, we, that is those of us who are in this dispensation, are consecrated and set apart unto God, unto the Father's eternal purpose. So when we think about that, that's how we are to order our lives, how we are to live our lives. We think about uh, we're sanctified, set apart for God's eternal purpose. What's his eternal purpose? That he might bring many sons into glory. That we are those sons, the church, his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. That's Ephesians 1.23. Point number two. We are set apart by, and this is a quote, the mystery made known to me by revelation. That's what Paul is saying. He's he's coining this whole thing about how the ancient Greek fraternities had secrets. Nobody could know what those secrets were unless they were initiated into the fraternity. And once you are initiated in the fraternity, then you will be privy to all of the... uh, special knowledge supposedly that they had so paul used that for what god this is a metaphor for what god has done in his eternal purpose how he hid this information within himself but then at a particular time he reveals it paul calls it a mystery point number three the mosaic law is the revelation of god it is truth but we can say that We're, we're not denying that we're not saying it is less than truth however it was not truth destined for our glory before time began that's first Corinthians 2 7 we already saw that the truth that we have is a mystery hidden from ages and past generations right it is for us it's for our glory point four the revelation of God is now complete with the addition of to God's hidden agenda to bring many sons into the glory. So now when we look at the word of God, <clears throat> this is 1 Corinthians 13. I wanna read that just so we uh, have Paul's thought on that. 1 Corinthians 13, nine and 10. It says, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. This is communication gifts that he was talking about earlier. But when the completeness comes, right, what is in part disappears. So notice, when God fully gives us his revelation, Well, you can even see this as, even if you think about his revelation right, to the world, to, to everybody, he gave it in part. But really, he's talking about the temporary spiritual gifts were given to augment the uh, God's word until uh, the church could, you know, reach a more mature status quo. The church in its infancy needed the temporary spiritual gifts in order to, to, for, for them to understand God's will, which was not in writing. It was given gradually throughout the church age. It is not something that God, at Pentecost, everybody just automatically knew this information. God began to teach it. And during that time, he had to give temporary spiritual gifts. So so what was in, once God gives the completeness, the complete then that which is in part is done away. And I always say, what you hold in your hand, that Bible is God's complete testimony to mankind, com- including what his hidden agenda was in this mystery. It includes the complete testimony that he has to man, and we can say that uh, in this age, that's point number four. Point five: the church is not an extension or replacement of or, or spiritual Israel. Or, you know, I, I know people people think that all we're supposed to do is what Israel did. We're supposed to do the same thing they did, except we're the church now. We're going to call ourselves the church, and God has relaxed his standards a bit. We can eat pork, and we don't have to worship and do all those things the Mosaic Law says. We can pick and choose what we want. No, that's not the case. The Mosaic Law cannot save or define our way of life in the church. Nobody was ever saved by the Mosaic Law, first of all, as we know. Salvation is by grace through faith in Christ. It was never by keeping the law. The law only told us that we needed salvation in the first place. So we cannot define our way of life from the law, right? We're not under the law as believers in this age. God has instruction, special instruction for the church. In fact, it says there was wisdom destined for, I'm quoting this verse again, destined for our glory before time began. When I finish with this today, you're going to be able to quote this verse by heart. Okay. Then there was um, six, point number six. We are not set apart unto the Father's word by, right? In other words, this is not how we dress, right? Some people want to dress in certain ways. And I would say we got to be careful about saying this because I don't say that Everything that people wear is appropriate to wear. I mean, I, I think you've you got to be the judge of that, yourself, of what you're going to put on. But it is not defined by how we dress. In other words, all of the churches, they don't dress in dark clothes and, you know, somber to- tones and all this stuff. This is not how we, just because we, we want the world to look at us a certain way, we have to dress a certain way. That's not the case. Or our rituals, right? In other words, people think about what they do, how they conduct church, you know, and their solemn rituals or what they do. That doesn't define us. Remember, sanctify them not by our rituals, but by the truth. Your word is truth. Not by our morality, right? It goes, our life goes beyond morality. God thought of us and planned for us before the creation of the world. He chose us in him before the cre- creation of the world. So it, we're not defined by our morality. I'm not saying we shouldn't have morality. Certainly we should. Morality is a good thing. And I would not think we should be devoid of morality. We should be moral. but mora- We're not going to get to the judgment seat of Christ and we're going to be judged according to our morality. We're going to be judged according to how we handled the word of truth, whether or not we were working according to those standards that the Holy Spirit is influencing us in. So it has nothing to do with our morality per se. and Or we are not set apart into the Father's uh, word by our political stances. So you might think, well, you know, I like this. It makes so much sense that this is how... Um, it should be, you know, we our leaders should be democratic or republican. It doesn't matter what your political stances are, right? It your political stances can be whatever they are, but that's doesn't define when. when what are we set apart unto? We're not set apart because of our political positions that we hold. That's not what sets us apart. It's the truth. The word is truth. Or our patriotism, and I know a lot of people will say, well, we're patriotic, and, and I served in, in the military, and others have as well, but that's not what makes us the church. That's not what God has defined and calls us to separate ourselves or be committed to. He's telling us to be committed to the word of truth, right? That's what we've been talking about. Or our denominational affiliation. Some people think, "Well, it's the church I go to. As long as I'm in this particular church, then that's that's the thing for me. That's how I should. People in the world should see me. People in the world should should see you. And I'll just say a point point number seven: We are set apart unto the Father's eternal purpose by the very revelation." that defines our calling, our identity, and our thinking and destiny. And that's what we saw. It's eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man. None of those things I mentioned are what man has not seen. All those things are what man has seen, what has entered into the heart of man. What God has called us to is to step away from all of that stuff And to be thinking this this new information that has never been revealed. So that's 1 Corinthians 2 9. And then 8, just as Israel was recognized by the Mosaic Law, right? If you think an Israelite, if you don't think about the law, I don't know what what you're thinking about. If you're thinking somebody in Israel and you're not thinking about the law, because that defined them. It said who they were, said what they were to be thinking. It said what they ought to be doing, everything. In fact, they would have this law in front of them all the time. They would write it down all over the house. They had, the priests had phylacteries. And these were things that, were just on, that they wore on their head that had the word of God on it. and, and it Just so that they could always have the word of God before them. Let's talk about the Mosaic law. They were defined by the Mosaic law. They were recognized that this is what they stand for. But the church is supposed to be recognized by this new truth, the truth according to the revelation of the mystery, hidden for long ages past. That's Romans 16, 25. That's what we ought to be identified with. That's what we should be seen and understood in the world because that is our devotion and consecration. It's this information. Nine, salvation is the same in every dispensation. The way of life for the believer is different and is defined by God's purposeful calling, whether it be Israel or for the church. So salvation, as I said, is the same. It was the same for Adam and a woman when they sinned in the garden and were lost. They had the same object of salvation, the same way of salvation that we have, as to the last person born in the millennium, every dispensation is the same. Salvation never changes, but God's way of life for us does. Yeah, the salvation in Israel was is the same as ours, by grace through faith in Christ. As even before He was revealed, it was the Christ to come. But it was dependent on that one, and it's the same thing for us. Except we just know who He is now, but we're still are looking at that one. It's the same in every dispensation, but the way of life for the believer is different and defined by God's purposeful purposeful calling. He called Israel to be Israel. He called the church to be the body of Christ. And lastly, 10, of ourselves, we cannot determine what truth is apart from the spirit of truth. So this last one is important, right? You can't determine what truth is. Now I know that sounds like wow, uh, a limitation, but it's not because God has freely given us these things by means of the Spirit. So but it says that in 1 Corinthians 2:14 the natural man, the person without the spirit, cannot um, determine what the things of the spirit are because He says they are foolishness to him and he cannot know them. Uh, neither can he know them, right? So I might read that. I'm I'm kinda messing that up here. First Corinthians two fourteen. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God because he considers them but, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. It's the only way this only source where you can get this information. So we're gonna have to stop at this point not only is time getting away from us but i just want to again wish all the mothers out there happy mother's day it is mother's day but we have this information hopefully uh, which is an important uh, milestone not only for us to talk about it but for the church as well which is the the very verse that we were built upon. So we we will close. We'll continue this thought next week. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Father, again, for your grace, your sovereignty over us that has not only put us in the position where you chose us before time began, but also gives us options in life. You, You recognize our free will and our personhood and you respect that and you say, yes, this is what you would want us to do. You would want us to grow in, your, in the truth that you have given us. We thank you for this privilege. And those who are not encouraged to do so, we would encourage to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you for those who have attended. We pray that you would challenge us by the things we've heard. Give us wisdom about this. Drive us back to our Bibles so we can look at these words even closer. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.
2: Amen. Amen.